Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Health and Wealth Power Hour. I am your host, Harlan Pickett. Great to have you with us again. Going to be super exciting today. Love, love is in the air. Okay, I don't even remember all the words of the song. But anyway, y'all remember the song, right? Love is in the air. Love. How important is it in your life? I would say it's just about the most important thing in your life. We are going to talk about love today. We're going to talk about someone, we're going to talk, talk with someone who, through kind of the lack of love in their childhood, was able to take a pathway that led them to the ability, get this folks, to love everyone. How about that? Isn't that pretty cool? I am super, super excited and proud to be able to introduce you guys to Paul Zolman. Paul is the author of the international best-selling book, Role of Love. He has an incredible story to share with you. It will inspire you and hopefully help you to start loving others in a much better and more meaningful way. Paul, welcome aboard, sir. Thank you, Harlan. Thanks for that great introduction. I appreciate that. You are very welcome, sir. It is, in my opinion, very well earned. Just reading about you, just learning about you before this, I was definitely inspired. Uh, someone who can overcome adversity is always, it's always impressive to me when people can overcome adversity, but someone who can truly turn a situation that was 180 degrees different than what you are you know, portraying now, what you uh, have learned now, that is, that's not just inspiring, that's awe-inspiring. So congratulations to you, Paul, but I want you to take us through that. Take us through, and, and I know sometimes that can be difficult to look at that, but you've written about it. Obviously, you love to share the story because then it helps you set up for what you're accomplishing, not looking to accomplish, but what you're accomplishing with your book. So take us through that. Great. Thank you, Harlan. That's a great question. I just briefly want to just say I was raised in a in a childhood of abuse, all kinds of abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse. There was just all that within the home. And, you know, it's kind of an angry atmosphere. And I really didn't realize how angry the atmosphere was, Harlan, until about uh, 15 years ago. Uh, I was dating after the failure of my first marriage. And part of the failure of the first marriage was that anger. What I found out is I, I was uh, being annoyed, 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 stacking these annoyances up until there was a flash of anger. And that happened in public and it happened in private. And it was just kind of taxing on the family as well as in, in public. What it would be like is that 
if someone has an accident in the swimming pool, everybody scatters, say, wasn't me, wasn't me, wasn't me. And it was uh, that I was repelling people like that with anger in public. But 15 years ago, I was dating a woman and and we got serious. I'm number 10 of 11 children, Harlan, so I absolutely need big brother approval. So I took her up 300 miles north to my brother's house. First thing that happened was that when my sister-in-law pulled her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first, I denied it. said, uh-uh, then it made me mad. And I thought. <laughs> you know, no irony there, Paul. <laughs> I, I was caught. I mean, I, I was I was just verifying her words is all I was trying to do. But really, <laughs> I thought, the, the, the thoughts that I had at that time said, oh, if that's the perception of the Zolman family, I have an opportunity right here and right now to change that perception for the rest, for my, my generation as well as future generations. And I thought, how am I going to do that? So I started reading books like The Color Code and The Five Love Languages. And I really settled on the principles of The Five Love Languages because Dr. Chap Chapman, Gary Chapman, that wrote it, was a pastor of a church. And he said that these principles reconcile to the life of Jesus Christ. I'm Christian. I wanted to do that. I thought that would be really a great way to go, a great direction to go after what I've been through in my childhood. And uh, But reading through the book four or five times, Harlan, I didn't get it. I didn't get the application. You mean, Dr. Chapman, that if I, if I guess what Harlan's love language is and cater to that, we're going to be buddies? I'm a bad guesser. It wasn't happening in my life up until that time, and it wasn't working now either. So how do I get over that? So that wasn't working for me. So the second thing that Dr. Chapman has in his books that, well, if I take this survey, then I can find out what my love language is. What am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? Get a little button to put on my shirt? Hello, Harlan. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? That's <laughs> awkward, too. I'm done with the awkward. And I I'm, I just did not want to be, repel people with awkward situations. So I had an idea. Even as dysfunctional, Harlan, as our family was in that angry culture, the angry culture meaning put-downs, you're talking over people, you're just doing all those things from the angry culture, no boundaries. And what we like to do is get together and have games. There was still the put downs. There was still the talking over one another. There was still the aggressive comp competition. There was all that, but, but we were together. And I remembered that and I thought that was really kind of the very best times of, of our life was playing games together. So I had this idea I contacted Dr. Chapman and asked him, are you licensing those little icons that you have for each one of those love languages, the pictures? And he, his attorney wrote back and said, no, we're not doing that at this time. So I thought, well, I'll go, I'm gonna go, I like this idea, I'm gonna go talk to an attorney here locally. And that's, so I, I did, he's a copyright attorney. He said that theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable, application is. So they weren't doing it as a game. So I created my own icons and then I put it put it on a cube. So this is what the cube looks like. So for the listeners that I'm showing a hand that's holding an hourglass, there's no words on it. it that represents time. So on, on that day that you roll that, 
you would just be spending time setting your phone aside, really spending time with people. The next one is a, like a waiter holding a platter. That would represent service. Next one is two hands together forming a heart. With that heart, there's a little conversation fly out, like in the cartoons, someone's talking. So those would be the words from the heart. Next one is two hands touching one another, like they're holding hands. That would be touch. And then the last, last love language would be the gift, a hand holding a gift. There's five love languages, six sides on the cube. The sixth side I named surprise me. It's a hand holding a question mark. So Harlan, there's just two instructions. You roll the cube every day, whatever it lands on, that's the love language you practice giving away all day that day to everyone, all day. Very interesting. So, so let, let's get back to what those mean. So if you if you you have to read the Dr. Chapman's book to understand what that is, or do you talk about it, that in your book as well? So that's a great question, Harlan. In my book, I go through the love languages. I really go through the principles of the love languages. Okay. Basic principle, Harlan, for your, for listeners that may not know about Dr. Chapman, Dr. Chapman found out that everyone has what they call a primary or dominant love language, one way that everybody likes to be loved. And the way he discovered it would be, you know, if you take this survey, then you can find out what that what that love language might be. I have a better way. As you're rolling the die and practicing that love language to give it away all day that day, you're watching for people that light up. When they light up, now you've discovered their primary or secondary love language. You, you, you No longer do you have to say, excuse me, could we pause this relationship so that I can have you take this survey so that I can know how to love you? <laughs> it's awkward. We don't have to do awkward anymore. Just let it go. You're watching people light up. When they light up, you're made their day. You're making them have a happy time on that day. That's what this is about. There's a great satisfaction in helping people have a great day. They're going to spread it to their, their circle of influence as well. And you're just going to have that good feeling. You're walking away with that. You could say that you're paid for that in that way. But what you're doing, Harlan, during this whole process is you're giving love away without any expectation of it coming back your way. It's not It's not about reciprocity. It's not about, well, if I give this away, I'm expecting that back. It's not, let's make a deal. This is not a reality to show. This is this is real life. So this this the other love love language or the other thing that Dr. Chapman says is that that um if you uh if you take that survey, then he said you should tell somebody about that. Well, I think that Dr. Chapman did not intend understand the consequences of doing that. Because if you tell someone, what if they don't do it? Then you're at this pity part says, well, I told you how to love me. Why aren't you doing it? And this really doesn't ever go that route. You're just giving it away without any expectation, but you're trusting the laws of the universe. When I say laws of the universe, I'm, I'm talking about the law of harvest or karma or the law of attraction or the law of polarity, whatever you want to call it. Those laws are in place regardless of what you do or what I do. They're just there. And that's going to bring love back to you eventually. 
So that's why you just send it out without any regard of it ever coming back, trusting the laws of the universe will come back. Anger is very similar. You send anger out, just be reminded that that's a boomerang and the gravitational G-force when it comes back is that could cut your head off. I mean, really, it really is something, it'll come back maybe 10 times or more worse than what you send it out. So just be careful about sending anger out. No, you're 100% right. You know, if people, and the interesting thing I, I believe about anger is people can perceive that you're angry even when you're not because of your voice or just by so many different things, right? Just the way you say something, you know, we're, we're not, we don't all communicate the same way. I have a good friend of mine, uh, Vet Simmons Payne, who teaches a class on communication mm -hmm. and her her class on communication is that same way. If you have the same communication style as someone, you almost never offend them. You almost never offend them because both of you get what each other's saying. Right. But when you have someone that's exactly the opposite, you can say the same thing. I can say something to you and you get offended by it. But if I was talking to a vet, we're actually the same code is what she calls it. We're the same code. She would get it. She, she may laugh. Whereas, Paul, you may get upset at me. But it's a, I said the same thing. Well, it can happen with words, and then all of a sudden, I was angry. But, well, I wasn't angry, but what comes back to you, right? What comes back to you is angry. Now, we can, I think, both agree that when you really are angry and you put it out there, people know it, no matter what your communication style is. Right. They know it, and you're right. If you uh, venom out, venom's coming back at you, right? It's it's fixing a – because people are going to be automatically be defensive. Mm -hmm. Yes, you will, depending on how – aggressive you are and you're angry you will have some that don't give you that because they're too busy running from you right yeah. whether that's truly running from you or curling up inside you know to protect their self because they don't want the confrontation yeah doors are closed that's right the, the doors are closed but it's i can see exactly just the opposite in this case but i do have a, a question about this so i roll the dice and i get touch okay some people don't like to be touched. Some people are not huggers. Some people, what do you, what do you deal or how can you deal with situations where you obviously hit the wrong love language of someone and they're not happy about it? Uh, I would say that that's their problem, but it, it, <laughs> that's, the, that's the quick answer. The, the, the other answer is that you're, you're watchful and you're watching for opportunities all day long, Harlan. So if you roll physical touch and, and you just, you're going in for the hug, I mean, you some people are not going to allow that to happen. And I wouldn't do it to the store clerk. Uh, I wouldn't do it <laughs> to a stranger that's just walking down the street. I would not do that. But you can do the high five. You can do the fist bump. You can do the pat on the back above the waist, obviously. And and you can just make sure that people know that that you care. What, what you're watching for all day long is those opportunities, but you're also watching for them to light up. And right. that's, that's you're trying to discover what their primary love language is. But it becomes a more of a theme for the day, Harlan, that your purpose is to love. And by doing setting your purpose for the day, you're not going to have those annoyances or being, being offended by other people. And that's one of those boundaries that I realized that was from my anger culture that growing up that was not set that I, I, and that's 
I realized that that's why I was being annoyed was from something someone else was doing. Nothing, hardly ever offend myself or get get uh, um, uh, annoyed at myself. Well, there, I guess there was one time, Harlan, I got so annoyed at myself, I didn't talk to myself for three days. <laughs> so It was the most peaceful three days of my life. <laughs> it was very peaceful. It was, it was such a nice time. It was serenity, serenity. But I realized like I'm getting annoyed at other people. And I realized that that's not my call. That's their choice. That's their life. That's what they're doing. Regardless of how I feel about it, I can't change that. And when I realized that I, I really need to operate in those things that I can change, things that I might have control over, not another person. And when I drew that line and was able to draw that line, it kept me in my lane. And I, I stopped being annoyed as I'm rolling the die. I'm now watching instead of what's wrong with that person and go down that critical path. Now I'm watching for what's right about that person. What can I love about that person? And I realized that maybe there's 10 to 20% of people that they have faults or they have weaknesses. And you can focus on that if you'd like. But what about the other 80 to 90% of that person? That's what this did for me. That's now I'm watching for that 80 to 90%. And I am so busy, Harlan, watching for that 80 to 90% good in the other people. I have no time to be annoyed. Absolutely no time to be annoyed. And I really needed that replacement behavior. The second thing about that is that Dr. Chapman said that you should do this, these love languages with your significant other. I didn't have one. I was single when I created this. So I said, who the heck am I going to love? And I thought, oh, I'll just love everybody. For me, that's what, absolutely what I needed. I needed that consistency to develop a habit of loving. I needed that daily repetition to be able to do that as well, to change the character. Instead of getting upset or being annoyed at something somebody else was doing, focus on what am I going to do? What kind of love am I going to send out that day? And it changed my life. In essence, and this, this is kind of interesting, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought this until you just said that. In, in essence, it was, as you developed this, almost more beneficial for you to have been single at that time than if you would have been with someone because you would have concentrated all your love on that one person first, almost like a tryout, right? Well, let me try it here first. Well, since you didn't have that, you got to try it on everybody. And it, that's exactly what I needed. That's that's that is the prescription absolutely that I needed. I needed a replacement behavior. I you know I I had coming from that negative attitude. I had ne or negative background. I had negative attitudes. Even even I remember saying I don't want to be angry, and that's like a double negative. You can multiply two negative numbers in math together to make a positive, but it just doesn't work in relationships, Arlen. It doesn't work that way. So I had to create the uh, a replacement behavior because the positive words to to reprogram my brain weren't coming out of me. I had to have something else that that uh, and this, rolling the die as and focusing on the good part of people really was that that was the remedy for me. So I guess the the sixty four thousand dollar question. Some of us of a certain age will remember that and some people will say i don't know what he's talking about there that's okay uh is how has this or has it 
changed your relationship with your family? I think it's really been, that's a great question. And it's really been a great journey for me in that way that uh, those that, that I, I associate with uh, have become closer. Relationships are just, a, they're a lot different now. I'm a whole lot more mellow because I don't have to, I, I feel like a burden's been taken off of me because I don't have to manage that person anymore like <laughs> I was. And it's, and it's, I never had to before, but I thought I did. Right. And so when I released myself from that responsibility, this huge burden lifted off of me. And I think that, as you mentioned already, that people feel that. People can feel when you're angry. People can feel when you, you, you're a burden to them. People can feel all that, or people feel like when you're micromanaging them. Take that away. And now you've got another person that's a, a human being that is watching for the good things about you. They're going to want to be around you. I don't repel as many people as, as before. I've still got a lot of work to do, Harlan, but um, it's it's a whole lot better than it was ever. Yeah, I mean, sure. We, we've all got a, a lot of work to do. Uh, we'll, we'll never, ever, it's just a guaranteed thing. Never on this earth will we ever accomplish what we hope to do. Um, you know, I, I know you mentioned your faith uh, earlier as being a Christian and you wanted to be able to live more of that life without the anger and such. So how has your faith and your Christianity played into this? Obviously it got you going down that road, but how have you seen it as a reinforcement or has it not been as big uh, a part of your journey as you thought it would be? It, that, that's a great question, Harlan. It really has been a great part of the journey as well. Just, just for for the listeners, you know, Jesus. I'm holding up the the cube again, and it's got it on on the time on the hourglass. Jesus spent time with people. He just sat down with them, like the woman at the well talked with them, and just sat and had conversations with people. People, that's something that we we should be doing as well if we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. He served people. You know, he he just everywhere he went, he was of service to people. We absolutely love his words. Those are the scriptures that we've got right now. He touched people, touched their eyes so they could see, their ears so they could hear, and he had the gifts of the Spirit. So they really reconcile to what Jesus did. There's another event in, in Christ's life that really moves me to, and helps me do that reconciliation, reconciliation for myself, and that's at the Last Supper when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And one by one, each one of the disciples said, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And I I think that's a, a very useful question for me, and it has been very useful for me in every relationship that I've had since since the die came, came to be, that <clears throat> in that relationship, if there's a problem, I'm always asking myself, it's more of an introspection, Lord, is it I? And I, and when you're listening for answers like that, when you're watching for inspiration like that, it comes. It absolutely comes. But you have to be watching for it. You have to have your ears on. You have to be able to watch for a solution to that particular hard problem. Relationships are hard. They really yeah. are hard, hard problems in our life. And they can be they can be very sweet relationships. But we have to ask ourselves, am I the problem here? Lord, is it I? 
Now that is a super valid point because we don't want to be the problem, right? We we want it to be something else. We want it to be the other person or some outside entity that we have no control over that is the problem, right? Uh, inherently, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Definitely. inherently, right? It, it, it's it's something else that's that's causing the problem because it can't be me. I'm perfect. And I mean, the reality is obviously we are not. And I think the first step comes in, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me, is realizing it is you. Mm -hmm. Because then you can fix it. If you don't realize it's you, if you if you keep looking for the problem, but you never look in and you never find the problem, guess where the problem probably is? <laughs> Right. The problem's right. probably inward because you never found it because you never would look inward to look for the problem. <laughs> so on that point, Harlan, I think that 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 incident with my sister-in-law really was a wonderful thing that happened because it helped helped me pinpoint that on a spectrum of anger to love, I was still much closer to anger and that culture of anger than I was to love. And I could I had three choices at the time. And those three choices were I could stay the same. And the way you stay the same is you blame other people. It's their problem. Go talk to them. It's not my problem. I don't have to change. I don't have to do a thing. That's what blame does for you. It kind of whitewashes everything. So you're the best person. Talk to them. They, they're the ones that need to change. I could become more angry would be the second choice. And I didn't want to do that. Or I could become more loving. And that's I wanted to learn that culture the vocabulary of the culture, the humor of the culture, just the whole the whole language of of love. That's what I wanted to learn. And it really is it's it's a different language than anger, that's for sure. Well, you talked about that this journey kind of started 15 years ago. And from your history and you know the, the things that you dealt with as a child and the family dynamic that you had there the change obviously didn't come overnight it wasn't yes you you had a certain thing that happened that helped you see inside right there so here you can see the beginning of where the change was going to begin right and certainly i'm not saying that 15 years later as you've already mentioned you're still not perfect you're still not to where the the journey's over you're it's a continuous journey but how long has it taken you how many of the how many years did it take you to where you believe you were dramatically different still not perfect obviously still not where you want to be but dramatically different when did you finally get to the point where you weren't on that anger side anymore but you were actually on the love side great question harlan and let me answer it this way um, i had the idea and it took a couple years for the artwork to develop to get just exact right artwork for each one of the icons. But while in that process, I developed a prototype of, of the cube. And it's it's really very clunky, but I, I had laser engraved each one of the love languages on, on each side of the cube, with even with the surprise me on it. Um, actually, I used to call it partner's choice. And it's so uh, I've just had this cube and it was probably two and a half inches by two and a half inch block of wood. Well, when I first made it, Harlan, <clears throat> the edges were really sharp. If I wanted to have physical touch that day, I just figure out if I roll it that way, it's gonna land on physical touch. 
I could pick and choose. It was kind of like a weighted die at the time. <laughs> this this is not going to work. And so I had to round off, round off the edges to make it even roll. But once those edges were rounded off, I found that practicing this every day for 30 days, it was, that was overnight. It was almost miraculous how really the change happened overnight. Because just like you said in the very beginning, it was a 180 degree turn. It was an about face that I'm looking, totally looking a different direction. Instead of focusing on faults of another person, person I'm focusing on the good that they do and the good about that person. So it's 180 degrees from where I was. This really was the magic. It takes two seconds in the morning or less to roll the die or roll the cube. And now you've got the theme for the rest of the day. And I realized the, ver the very importance of having pictures on the cube rather than words. Pictures burn into your mind. They're a memory hook, so to speak. And that memory hook is like, if I said the word elephant, you're not seeing in your mind E-L-E-P-H-A-N-T. You're seeing the elephant. That's what I wanted for, for the die as well. So no words, only pictures. It makes that memory hook. What did I roll this morning? What am I practicing all day today? That is super cool because I, I, I just think about, I'm, I'm going to make a, kind of a, a funny thing. Growing up, I'm sure you were the same way. No one wore a seatbelt, right? No one wore a seatbelt. Whenever I was in corporate America, we had this challenge. Everyone was going to start wearing a seatbelt. But what they did is they made us do that for two weeks, right? Two weeks every day, we had to wear a seatbelt. I don't think I've ever not wore a seatbelt since then. It became a new habit that yeah. I would have never had. I mean, I, it's one of those funny deals. Before it was a law, in other words, the company that I worked for way back a million years ago in corporate America, they decided we were going to be safety and we were going to wear seatbelts. I think it was really my friend. I, I was probably 21, 22 years old, somewhere in that range at the time. But I had heard about forming new habits, right? But I had never... I think had to put my mind to forming a new habit. And I'm, I'm drawing that kind of silly parallel, but, but that's exactly what you did. You mm -hmm. said, I'm going to do this now. And my kickstart for this every single day is going to be this die. And I'm going to roll this die. And then I'm going to focus on doing this one thing. Now, that's not all you did all day. Obviously you lived your life. You did work. You did whatever you were going to. But within that day, you focused on this one thing in the love language, this mm -hmm. one thing. That's outstanding, brother. That's outstanding, Paul. That's Thank you, Harlan. It, it actually was it was never an event. Like, I did the dishes. Ooh, ooh I'm done. Was never <laughs> was never the event, Harlan. It really was the process. Everybody has is busy already. And just, it, it was just a mindset change that as I'm going through my day, now I have a new set of eyes on I'm watching for loving opportunities. And with that new set of eyes, you're going to see it. It's just like if you if you drive down the road and you say, wow, that is a really cool Bugatti. I've never seen a Bugatti before, but I want I want that. You go buy the car and now you see them all over the place. <laughs> not, not likely, but but you see it, you see it all over the place for a car that you would purchase. And you think that 
it was unique before you bought it. Now it's not so not so unique. So it was like that. And it's just like maybe even a vocabulary word, something that you've never heard before, is you think, but then you learn that word. Now you're hearing it all over the place. And it was just our ears aren't tuned to that. And it's just the same thing that we're not really in tune to that. And it, and it really that forming a habit is really the best way to do it. I had a, a, a opportunity when I was 19 years old to go to Japan for a couple of years to learn Japanese and and do that sort of thing. While I'm there, I'm deciding I'm going to write my parents. I'm going to do it once a week and just see how this goes, because I wanted to repair any bad feelings that I had with my parents. In addition to that, I wanted to I wanted to figure out how in on earth could I honor my parents? How could I be obedient to that commandment number five of the Ten Commandments? How could I honor them? And I thought, I'll write them and let's see how that goes. Well, I wrote them every week for two years. And at the end of two years, I thought, you know what? This is a really good habit. And why I after that two years was up, I why would I give up that good habit? And so I continued that habit and I actually wrote them for 32 years until wow. both of them had passed away. I've got over 1,500 letters that I wrote to them. They gave them back or I received them back through the estate sales or the state of settlement and everything. And now I've got those are journals for me of how I felt during that period of time. I wanted to get to that point of this journaling can really decompress a lot of that stress that you have in life. Great for health. Everybody need, has too much stress right now, and that could be a trigger for becoming angry as well. But this, this cube can de do the de-stressing. Let me just go through you how this would look in a classroom situation. That at the beginning of the day, the teacher or a student possibly would roll the die. The teacher takes 30 to 40 seconds, maybe 45 seconds to say, class, this is the type of behavior we're looking for today. I'm talking K through six. So these are young children. The, the teacher really is kind of the, still the person in charge, not the students so much. But the okay. teacher and, and the children are in the same classroom from the start of the day, most likely to the very end of the day, the same classroom. So at the end of the day, now the teacher hands out a piece of paper, says, this is what you're going to record what you rolled, what opportunities you saw to love in that way, what you did about those opportunities. Now the, the child, not the teacher, not the principal, the child has to be responsible for their own behavior. They're not going to be able to blame anybody. They're responsible for their own behavior. Now they have to write about it. One thing I've, I've, I've found, Harlan, about teachers all around the world that I've talked to that I've expressed this to, they said the last 10 to 15 minutes of the day is really non-productive time. The kids have been there all day. They're tired. They're anxious. They know the bell is going to ring and their minds are mush. They can't learn one more thing. But writing in a journal is a decompression type of activity. That's going to take a lot of that pressure and stress off that child by being able to express how they felt that particular day. We're going to find great stories of love, great stories of hero heroism on that particular day. When we find those stories, 
I, I would advise the teacher to hold that piece, piece of paper over. Normally they do a check mark, give it back to the child, they take it home. Astute parents would keep those in chronological order. So at the end of the day, that or end of, end of the year, school year, now you've got a journal, a first grade journal of that first graders year of our six six year old. And, and that's it's gonna be a love journal. What's gonna happen though, is that the teacher for those great stories reads the story in front of the class the very next day. Encouraging that just the very reading of that story is gonna encourage a lot of those class members to say, I'm gonna up my game. I'm gonna behave better. I'm gonna make a better story than that story for the next day to be read in class, to be recognized, so to speak, for that for what, what they've done. So it tamps down misbehaving. It encourages behaving and encourages, if I have to report about this, I'm gonna make it good. And it just kind of encourages that type of behavior. I think it's really gonna help with a lot of the violence, a lot of the misbehaving that's going on in school, the student takeover of the classroom, that sort of thing. It's really gonna tamp all that down. Well, that is, that's a very interesting placement of this. Um, I, I didn't even think about it. So have you had any success integrating this into a school yet? Or are you still looking for takers as it were? I'm both. I'm actually looking for takers, but I've, I've got a private school here and then a, a, a school in the Bronx actually that's, that's working with us. So if it'll work in the Bronx, it'll work anywhere, I'm sure. <laughs> and how long have they implemented it? What kind of success stories do you have with that? So it's just this year, just this school year. So it's just it's just very very recent. And the success stories are that there there are there are those that that are just taking taking great hold of this and making it something that they're they want to do, you know obviously they've done it more than 30 days now and those students that really see the the value of this are taking hold of it they're writing in their journal every day in cooperation with a, a yogurt land franchisee here locally the the franchisee said and we we discussed it that if the student will write in their journal for 15 days that's that's really good they'll give them 5 ounces of yogurt for free all if right. they'll do, if they'll do it for 25 days, that's right the sweet spot between 21 and 28 days. Form the habit if they'll do it for 25 days in the month. That's every school day of the month. If they'll do it for that 25 days, he'll give them 10 ounces of yogurt for free. So a little incentive, but it's also something that we really want to to encourage the kids to just try it out. Several, uh, as far as success stories, several have done that. They they see the vision. And they're doing that. They're keeping keeping these journals for for their for that school year. And so the grades. Um, I mean, you kind of talked about the sweet spot of where the grades are. Where what grade levels are are implementing it right now? You got a couple of schools, but what grade levels are that are they doing it in? So locally, good, great question. Locally, it's um, K through six, and uh, in the Bronx, it's actually. It's actually middle school, seven and eight. Okay. And is there a difference? Are you seeing, or is the school seeing better participation in the 
K through six, or is the Bronx school seeing better participation in a seven and eight? Great question, Heartland. I, the, it's probably a little too early to say too much about it, but um, K through six, actually, they're more malleable. They're they're Great. really they're really understanding the the concepts. You and, and you'll notice again, there's no no words on the cube. Right. So even even children that don't really know how to read that well can understand the concept. And so so the just giving the children this tool giving them something, some way to look at the good of everything that's going on in the world, instead of the news, instead of instead of critical people, instead of bad things going on around around them, uh, now there's something to focus on that's that's positive. And they're really taking to that. It's if you if you stroke a, a child with compliments or with praise, they're just gonna light up. That's what we're trying to do with these children. And when they light up and they see the value of lighting up themselves, they're going to see the value in lighting up other people with that. And it's really, they're really taking hold of that. It's a little harder after they've lived their life and they think they know everything, which is the teenagers, seven, eight, seven, eight ninth, ninth grade. They just know everything. And, and so it's hard to teach when you know everything. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of someone today uh, on another event I was at said uh, businesses should always hire brand new graduates of high school before they forget everything because they know everything right then you know I've just graduated high school I know everything so need to hire them right then don't let them go to college or anything because they start losing that knowledge clearly because they knew everything when they graduated high school just ask them So I think it's interesting. I really do think it's interesting that a school with seventh and eighth graders would go down this pathway. I'm not saying because it couldn't work because I'm going to tell you in in my personal experience, I don't remember a whole lot about middle school myself, but I can tell you both of my kids, their biggest struggles in their entire school existence was middle school. Hmm. Middle school is this weird place, right? It's this weird place Uh, between uh, elementary school where everything was just fun, even school was fun, to high school where it can be fun, but it's also work. But middle school is a challenge. You just, you don't fit anywhere, kind of. You know, there's, there's, you know, I think about both of my kids who had really great friends in elementary school that in middle school, they were no longer friends anymore. Yeah, just such weird things happen there. And then in high school, in some cases, they became friends again, or they never talked to that person again because they kept going in different directions. But it it is a a strange place. So was that decision, and and maybe you don't know this, Paul, but was that decision by that middle school to kind of tamp that down as far as how kids can grow apart in that place? Or was it maybe to combat because I think that's the level where a lot of times we start seeing more bullying and more people kind of draw into their shells where anger kind of pushes people because you get some kids that all of a sudden become more angry about whatever's going on, sometimes home stuff, sometimes school stuff, sometimes the world stuff, right? And then the other kids that just kind of draw away. It seems like an interesting place to put this is my point because of I don't see how too many kids would want to participate. I, 
because it's not cool, right? It's not cool because all of a sudden I'm being judged. I might not have cared when I was in fifth grade that I was being judged, but in seventh grade, I do. Yeah, great question, Harlan. And this teacher actually is a, a kind of a that super teacher that you're always looking for. You want your child okay. to have have that type of teacher. This was was one of those type of teachers, and she just really wanted to have the children to have something solid that they could count on every single day. That they there. This is something that you're in control of. If if a seventh grader or an eighth grader knows that they have control over just this one thing in their life, they're going to latch on to that one thing and make it make it something that would be theirs. And and it really benefits them, but it also benefits everybody else too. And really? so seeing the benefits that way, it's a, it was an easy sell for these people to go ahead and latch on to this. The teacher saw it right away. She said that this, the really, you're, everything's changing around you in those teenage years. Your body's changing, the circumstances are changing, your friends are changing, as you've already indicated. Everything is changing. And you want something or you really need something to latch on to, something solid in, in your life, this can be it. And 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 love is really a universal thing, something that you can not only you can develop it today and you'll have it tomorrow. It's not like you buy you buy groceries today and you eat it over the next couple of weeks and they're gone. This is something that was going to develop within you and it will stay with you. Even if you pass away, this is something you take with you. No, that, that's a great point because, you know, have, showing love to others and being known for showing love to others, that lives on. As mm -hmm. you, as you just mentioned, once you've passed away, if you, if you are remembered as the guy who loved everybody, the guy who always showed love to everybody and not the guy who talked about it, the guy who did it, right? That's different. That's someone who is remembered. That is someone, that's what you want. I mean, that that is truly living, you know, uh, once again, it's living Christ life. It's living like Jesus lived. It's showing love. It's showing love and giving love freely and not, quite honestly, not caring what anyone else thinks not letting others anger dictate your life but turning when they when they give you anger you give them love in response because boy that'll really make them mad <laughs> and one other, one other point about that harlan you bring up a very good point can you identify any scriptures where jesus said they didn't love me back i'm really sad about that and i'm really i'm really upset about that i'm going to be angry about that <laughs> Nowhere is it that he expected them to send anything back in return. Even the lepers, the story of the lepers, I mean, 10 go away without saying thank you, one comes back. And 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 that person really not only was healed of the leprosy, as all the other 10 were, but he was healed within. And it's a spiritual healing to have that gratitude. And I think that that's what we're looking for here. That sending that love out without any regard is going to be a healing for us. That's the satisfaction that we're going to get. That's really how we feel self-love. And I'm, I'm, I'm self-love is kind of contaminated out there 
just the word because people think that's self-indulgence. Yeah, I, I absolutely dis disagree that that's not self-love. That's self-indulgence. It's totally different. This is the way to get to get love for yourself is to send it up. No, that's exactly right. And, and I agree with you 100% that people have misidentified self-love as self-gratification uh, because self-love just means it's easier for you to love others. Right. Not it's all about me. And unfortunately, that's what they see it as is self-love means I've got to take care of myself above everyone else. And I've got to love myself above everyone else. And so I got to I got to uh, give myself more than I give anyone else. That's not it, folks. That's no. not it. Well, well said, Harlan. And and it's in interesting that yeah, the, the the there's big hype about that self love, but it's not it's not it's not just giving yourself presence. It's not it's not doing all that. I, I love I love the the lyrics from a song from The Sound of Music, where Rolf is is he's the delivery man. And riding riding his little bicycle, and he's in love with the oldest Von Von Trapp sister of uh, daughter, and he's on the ground singing a song to her at the window in the second story, and part of the lyrics say, "Love in the heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till it's given away." Wow, that is that that is very powerful because it's not. If, if love in and of itself doesn't exist until it's given. Exactly. Love doesn't exist unless it's given. There, there is no love unless there is love given. I mean, that's uh, that's very well said. That, that, I like that. Well, I think I like yours that. is quotable too, Harlan. You know, there's, there's no love until it's given away. Yeah, I love that. Because how can there be, right? How can there be love unless it's given away? Yeah. Uh, you know, not all love is tangible, right? Not all love is, is, is tangible. Love can be done in deeds. Love can be done. I mean, the love languages, many of those think about how much love it takes in many instances, just to sit and listen. Oh yeah. Just to sit and listen with no preconceived notions on what you're going to say with not, and I'm talking about listening to listen, not listening to respond. Because that's what we want to do, right? That's why we interrupt people. That's why in your family, you said y'all talked over each other because I just want to get my word in. I don't even need to finish you to finish what you're saying. I need to talk right now. And what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. And that's uh, we got to get away from that. Absolutely, that that doesn't that's not love. As as you grew up knowing, that's not love. Man, I'll tell you, this has been extremely informative. But I, I feel like that there's going to be people out there that hear this, Paul, and whether they're a teacher or whether they are just an individual, maybe even uh, a business that deals with kids or. Hey, deals with adults. I, I can even see this in some rehab type settings in different ways as a useful tool. So, you know, we have a, a pretty broad reach just because of the diverse audience that we uh, talk to. 
what are ways people can reach you? What are ways if they didn't want to reach you first, but they want to learn more about you? Obviously, uh, they can go out to your website, which is rolleoflove.com. That's R-O-L-E of love.com. You could have done with two L's too there, buddy, because of the die. You know, you could have went both directions on that. So <laughs> there's a good explanation about that, Harlan, because R-O-L-L is what to do with the die outside of you. R-O-L-E is what changes you within. So it actually was on purpose that I did a play on the words. <laughs> they, they can go to either site. Actually, it'll it'll bring them right back to R-O-L-E of love.com. So I have both domains registered. Just Very good. Very strategic. I like that. That's good. That's good. That situation. But yeah, <laughs> if they go there, Harlan, I've got a, I've got the the cube. I've got the book. I've got the journal in a bundle situation right now on sale for twenty nine ninety nine. That's about twenty percent off, and they can they can purchase the bundle right there. It's a whole lot less than even one therapy session. So, but it's going to last a lot longer, really, than uh, that one therapy session. In therapy, you go from week to week, or from every two weeks, or whatever your schedule might be, and you're all of a sudden it comes day for therapy and say, "What the heck did I do this last week? How did I improve?" You're going to see the marked difference by using this daily and bringing this into your life. You're going to be, develop that habit of watching for people to love all day long every just in the course of what you normally do you're going to watch for those things that are good about the people not not their faults stop looking at the faults very good yeah i'm actually on the website right now guys don't forget that's rolleoflove.com you can go to r o l e of love.com r r o l l of love.com uh, there's also some success stories uh, there's a blog uh, once again, you can also find the products, the book, and the journal that also, of course, includes the, the cool little die that if you're listening today, you didn't get to see whenever he showed on the video, but very, very cool little die. It is all part of the process of changing your life to include more love and to showing love to others, exactly what we were put on this earth to do. We were put on this earth to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ and our God, and we were also put on this earth to love one another. If you don't believe me, go and read the Bible. You'll be shocked at what you see there, won't you? Hey, Paul, I really appreciate you being with us, sir. It has been very eye-opening. I will be ordering my bundle and be sure to share this story with the rest of my family. It looks like Christmas gifts are buying themselves, as it were. Hey, man, this has been a, really, it has been eye-opening. I think that this is going to be a the Christmas gift for a number of my teammates and, of course, some family members as well. So I appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, I suppose that you are also out on all the major social media sites, uh, your your Facebooks and LinkedIn's and Instagrams and all that as well, sir? Yes. Yep. All right. I can send those links to you if you'd like to put it in the show notes. Okay. Absolutely. Put them on the show notes and I will definitely uh, uh, get hooked up with you there on LinkedIn as well. Love to uh, be able to, when this when the show comes out, obviously share it with everyone so it gets into your network as well. I also see, of course, that you have YouTube. So, uh, buddy, be, uh, be safe out there and continue to spread that love. And once again, I sure appreciate you being on the Health and Well Power Hour today. It is It has truly been a joy to have you with us. 
Thank you, Harlan. It's been my pleasure to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. You're very welcome. All right, gang. And that will wrap up this Health and Well Power Hour. But remember, we've always got more coming. And be listening every Tuesday, the last, excuse me, every last Tuesday of every month as we dive into the continued subject of why does healthcare suck? We had a super interesting uh, healthcare horror stories in October. We dove into why fee for service has caused so many problems in our healthcare system in November. Who knows what December holds for us? I'll give you a little bit of a hint. It's the holidays, and we want to bring happiness. So maybe there'll be some happy stories about healthcare on the 26th of December. But who knows? Might just be more bad news. Anyway, could go buy a humbug, could be happy stuff. You guys stay with us. We know that you love listening to these stories. Appreciate all of you showing up on LinkedIn for that. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you on the next Health and Wealth Power. We are out.